Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Paul Abernathy, as always, and thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us here at the Master the NEC podcast. Now, today's episode is going to be uh, one that I got from a friend of mine's board, which is called Discord, uh, and uh, he has a forum on Electrician U. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. The guy's amazing. Uh, he's a, what I call an up-and-comer in this industry, the electrical industry. Um, again, you have us us old farts that are kind of the gray-haired, balding guys who have a lot of experience. I have over 30 years of experience working with these hands. Not so much in the last uh, probably eight years, but I still get out there and do things, and I feel I could run wire with the best of them. So if you want to put me to that challenge and you're in the McKinney, Texas area, uh, I'd love to get out and rough in a house with you. I think I can show you young boys a little, uh, young girls too, a little bit something new. This us old school guys can do it. And uh, I ain't that old yet, so I'd love to do it. Um, and I ain't afraid to do it, and I still hold a master's license in multiple states, so let's get it on. All right, so, um, but if you get a chance, check out uh, Dustin uh, Steltzer's website. That is uh, www.electricianu.com. Great stuff, great young man. Uh, I see a lot of good things coming his way. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll work together on a project or something someday. Uh, and so, anyway, let's talk about today's podcast. So I got something from his Discord. Somebody said, um, and that's kind of like a message board thing, um, or chat room, if you will. Um, I got something that said, um, how can electricians uh, work with electrical inspectors more? Like it's, you know, for some reason, I guess it's, People have trouble sometimes, uh, inspectors, electrical inspectors at AHJs and electricians don't get along. One is they turn them down and so it delays the project or they got to go get a change order or another inspection or there's a fee associated with this. Well, let me give you a little insight. Most people know that I was ahead of two jurisdictions. Uh, first was the city of Richmond overseeing the inspections and plans examining um, as their engineer too. And... Also, when I went to the city of Alexandria, 
Now, I wasn't the most popular guy in those cities for the sense that sometimes people want to just get things done and they want you to look the other way, and I'm a stickler for code. But you would think with being a stickler for code that when I went out on the job site as a as a inspector, and I did that as well for years, hold all the certifications from ICC and, and all that. So, uh, you know, had all of our certifications, which we're required to get. Uh, but being a master electrician, having that background obviously helped as well as the engineering background. So, you know, I moved that I was working most actually up into management. Uh, and I had one of the best building officials that you'll ever have in the world, which was uh, back in the city of Richmond. He's just a, uh, an amazing uh, building official who's obviously not there anymore. Uh, and his name was Art Dahlberg, an amazing guy. If the city of Richmond wants to know how to run things, then they ought to figure out how Art Dahlberg did it. And uh, I worked very closely with Art. But let's talk about inspectors. So, so there's a couple of misconceptions out there. Now, there are some, just like there are some bad electricians, um, or should I say not so thoughtful electricians, and there are some bad inspectors. Not all of them are bad. There's a lot of excellent ones out there. So one thing that I will say is, as an inspector, if you're standoffish right away to me when I come to your job site, then that's probably what you're going to get from me. Okay, we're seeing a lot of people in the day, uh, some people are just plain a-holes, and it is what it is. And so electrical inspectors don't have, not all of them anyway, have a chip on their shoulder or that God complex that some people think because they turn you down. Uh, the problem that I have with electrical inspectors, and of course I'll tell you how you can solve these issues and stuff, is that I'm a big believer that when you're an electrical inspector and you go to a job site, you, you if you're going to turn something down, you, you daggone well better cite a code reference for it. Uh, because that's what you are. You're a code inspector. You're enforcing the minimum safety standard. So there's many rules in the code book. For example, I did a, I'm doing some stuff for Cengage and I'm explaining the difference between prescriptive requirements and performance requirements. So an example of that would be a performance requirement is that we do all these things in the code, sizing bonding jumpers, sizing equipment, ground conductors and all that to achieve a certain goal, to create a low impedance ground fault current path. But if you go back and look at 250.4, for example, we're doing this because we want to do things like keep the voltage from being increased and imposed onto our electrical system due to things like lightning and surges. And so we size grounding electroconductors to electrodes and do a lot of things, for example, at the service in order to keep that voltage from being imposed on our electrical system that can affect other things downstream. So those are performance-based, means we do something prescriptively in order to achieve something under the performance requirement. Now, most of the National Electrical Code, for example, is very much performance-based, uh, excuse me, prescriptive-based, um, but we're trying to reach certain goals of safety, which ultimately you could say the safety of the system, ultimately when you do everything right, that you're trying to achieve some kind of performance, uh, lower the risk of, of hazard to people and property. So that's kind of your performance goal, but we do a lot of things because of the prescriptive requirements that are written in the code, right? So with that said, that's the job of the electrical inspector. They're out there to make sure that you meet the minimum standard. Now, the problem that people seem to have with some electrical inspectors, and I hope those that are listening are friends of mine and realize that I'm, I'm not here to bash you. What I'm saying is 
That is your role. That is your only role. Now, if you wanna also be a mentor and a teacher, and I believe all electrical inspectors that are knowledgeable should be mentors and teachers to electricians because they're busy doing the work, they don't necessarily dig into all the changes that take place. So if you can give them a little tidbit of knowledge, then that they, they'll appreciate that. But you don't ram it down their throat. So it's a give or take. Everybody has to give. Electricians have to realize that we know how to twist wire nuts. We know how to pull wire. We know how to do the hands-on part. But we don't necessarily know when codes change. Now, when we do something over and over and over again, like boring holes through wooden studs, and we end up doing one that's only a half inch from the edge of the board hole to the edge of the wood stud member, then we know the inspector's gonna turn us down. But a good electrician will know that you're gonna need a nail plate there. So maybe you don't install the nail plate and that electrical inspector finds it and turns you down for it. Or a good electrical inspector will say, you got a nail plate on you? Go on, let me see you put that nail plate on there. And you do it while he's walking around and you get things done while he's there. Now, when you ask how to get along with the electrical inspector, the sheer fact that you're complaining about electrical inspectors means that maybe you've had a bad situation with the electrical inspector and maybe there was something that you did wrong that they corrected, or maybe they said something that wasn't correct, but they're making you do something simply because of their own wills, their desires, or maybe they're um, ignorant of the code themselves. So I always used to tell, when I'd go to a job site, when it first happened back in Richmond and in Alexandria, and people would Google or find out that I was coming out to their site or the, the electrical inspector would say my supervisor or is coming out and whatever, you know, they'd pucker up and they'd get worried that I'm going to pull stuff out of thin air and turn them down for this and that. And yeah, there was times that I walked out there and took my stick and went up in the uh, second floor and used it to poke the cables that are running across the top of the ceiling rafters and they weren't secured. And I would say, guys, you got to secure these every four and a half feet. It's still a requirement. It's supported by the stud, but it's or by the rafters, but it's not secured. That's a requirement of 334.30. So that's the kind of stuff where all of a sudden, because the electrician is is tired, he, he wants to get this inspection over with, that they sometimes will get a chip on their shoulder when the inspector's just doing his job. Now, there's other times that the electrical inspector will call out things that aren't correct and it's just something they might have learned incorrectly through the years or maybe the person that's teaching them taught them incorrectly and that's an opportunity for you to educate them but you have to do it very tactfully. You can't just think that you're gonna wrestle with them because they are the authority. They're responsible for making sure that when they put their name on something that it's done right. And so you have to understand how both of them work. Now lucky for me, I've walked in both of those shoes. So if you've never been an inspector, you won't understand. And there are a lot of inspectors that were never electricians. I know that's hard to believe, but they learned what they need to learn as far as inspecting things, but they never put their hands on it. So having the ability to walk in both shoes is a unique and interesting thing. So I can tell you right now, most of the inspectors that I work with, uh, with the exception of a few, do have, you know, don't have a God complex. They're there to educate and teach. And if there's something that they can be educated on, then they love it. Now, there are those, for example, who you could give them the code right out of the code book in black and white, highlight it, uh, underline it, do whatever you want and give it to them. And you're obviously going to give your interpretation and they're going to look there and say, well, that's not my interpretation. You know what? Here's the thing about that. There's no sense in trying to get along with that inspector. It's not going to do you any good. 
It's not. So the best thing that you can do is to try to gain common ground with that inspector because you can change them to be your ally instead of your enemy. So if you get an electrical inspector that kind of standoffish and in your face and giving code references, you start subtly. First of all, fix what they want. I know it might be a pain in the butt, but you fix what they want and you educate them along the way in little tidbits. And I find this works very well when you say to the inspector, you know, I, I just don't believe that this code says that you do that. And, and you're able to cite the code and you've studied enough to know. I, again, I get a lot of stuff from electricians that say, Paul, I don't stick my head in that code nearly as much as you do. And I'm too busy doing work. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. That's a piss poor excuse. Because this code, the National Electrical Code, is your installation Bible. Now, it's not an installation manual. It's not for the untrained. But you are the trained individuals. You should spend at least an hour or two hours a week looking through areas of the code that is predominantly directed towards what you do. If you're a residential guy and that's what you do, then you should be looking at grounding and bonding in 250. You should be looking at the wiring methods that you use predominantly, like non-metallic sheath cable. If you're a commercial guy, you should be looking at all the rules that are required for EMT, rigid metal. Understand them. That's your job. That's And, you, and to me, an electrician has a duty and a responsibility to pass on this trade, okay? Now, if you're a guy that listens to all this and you say, BS, Paul, I'm just here to make a buck, then this is probably not the trade for you, but you're making money in it, and so you're going to stay in it. But I take a lot of pride in the fact that I have a master electrician's license. Nothing about my engineering degrees or anything to do with engineering, nothing about anything else. The proudest moment in my life is when I took that test and I got my journeyman's license, and then a year later, I had to put in the time, and I got my master's license. There was nothing more enjoyable to me than that because, again, that meant that I went in and tested my knowledge. Now, there's a lot of people that say, well, somebody's book smart. They can pass a test, but they can't do. I love that when I hear people say, well, the old guys now can no longer do, so they teach. God, that's so stupid and foolish mentality. It shows how small and minuscule the brain is for some of those people because our goal is to move through a progression in life. An inspector's goal is to start out as an inspector, potentially move up to supervisor, maybe even move into an office job because we all get older as a plans examiner or engineer two or engineer one, and someday even move up beyond that to maybe an administrator. We have goals that we progress through life if that's a career. And now, to be honest with you, inspection industry is pretty much a, creating a career. We have people that are going straight out of school into the inspection trades and eventually getting to be building officials and things like that. Because you don't need a degree from a university to be an inspector, to be a building official. And that's the beautiful thing about electricians and trades. You can make a lot of money. A lot of electricians I know make a lot more than what a four-year college degree person would make. That's not to knock the degrees that, 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 that we do, but it's just to say that this is an opportunity and you should be looking at the code every day. You should be looking at your work, taking pride in it. And so when an electrical inspector comes to your job site and they question something, it's not wrong to say, do you mind giving me the code reference? I'm not doubting you. I just, it helps me learn. I, I do want to learn. Take a little bit of that humble pie because you'd be surprised how much that electrical inspector is willing to give you. Again, they're knee-deep in code all the time. 
They go from house to house to house, building to building to building. They learn different things. They see different things. You're so focused centrally on what you're doing. Open up, try to form a relationship with them. If you just don't like somebody, you know what? If you've never been in a situation where you can get along with people you don't like, then again, probably not the trade for you or you're going to get to your plateau in your your, uh, business and that's probably where you're going to stay. Ultimately, at some point, you have to become a people person to a point. In other words, I love the old saying, you have to be able to wear two hats. You have to be able to wear the hat that you use when you're engaging with other people and then you have to be able to wear another hat when you're doing other things. So once you learn to do that, the job will be much easier. So rather than argue, um, learn to where you can get common ground. So electron inspector that walks onto the site that says that wire, that cable is not secured within 12 inches of that junction box. Okay. You look at it and again, 12 inches is literally something you both can see. If it's 13 inches from it, or you're going to say, come on, dude, it's 13 inches. It's only an inch. Or are you going to do it right? Remember, it's not the inspector that's the problem. He's telling you what the minimum safety standard is in the industry. So you move the staple down to, in fact, instead of being 12 inches away, you move it down to 10 inches. You both are achieving the same goal and you learn something, okay? It's it's harder to do things, and you had to do it twice, didn't you? You had to put it in the first time, then you had to take it out and you had to put it in again. Why do you want to work so much harder when you can work so much smarter? If you knew the National Electrical Code and you trained your apprentices and helpers to understand the National Electrical Code, um, I'm also a big believer that every electrical contracting business, I don't care how busy you think you are, You should spend one day a week, whether it's Friday in the mornings uh, or uh, Monday morning when everybody comes back from the weekend, you meet in the office and you have one hour of code, whatever that code may be. Maybe you'll even pop in one of our podcasts or put one of our videos on the screen for all of the inspectors or all the installers or all the electricians. And you just have one hour of code every week to kind of bring everybody together, to get everybody on the same page. Now, that's another thing that I find problematic in jurisdictions is sometimes you have rogue inspectors or supervisors. Not everybody's on the same page. And one of the things that um, that seems to have gone by the wayside in the city of Richmond, where I used to work, when we were there, we would have meetings every week. And I would make sure that I went got with the guys and says, you know, this is how we're looking at this. You can agree to disagree. But as a inspection unit, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to treat these things. And if an incident came up, I wanted to know about it. So a lot of people say, you know what, I'm not going to say anything bad about my inspector because he's going to make my life a living hell. Um, and that might be true in some jurisdictions when that is the only inspector. But remember, all inspectors have a supervisor. There's a way you can do it tactfully to get your message across. Maybe the supervisor's an a-hole and maybe you have to go even higher to the building official. There's ways you can do it. Or maybe you can just work with that inspector and start out with a little humility and say, you know, you're probably right. But I'm going to do it because, you know, you feel this is right. I believe that the code section says this, but, you know, I recognize that you're the authority. When that inspector leaves, he's going to say, huh, all right, you know, and then the next time you can have a conversation, take the time to talk to him. Don't be so standoffish. Um, Again, are there some inspectors that are just had that chip on their shoulder that they've got this God complex? There might be. And you know what? If they're in their 30s and 40s, you're probably not going to change them. So you just might as well do what they want, move on, unless something you do is going to cost a lot of money. For example, if an inspector wanted you to put a couple staples here and there or a nail plate here and there, look, I'd just smile and put it in. Even if they were wrong, I'd smile and put it in, be honest with you. Um, Because 
it's just not worth the effort because as you move on, you spend you, you have a better chance of doing that and then having a conversation with that inspector at the same time. For example, I'm gonna, he says to do something, I'm going to run over and do it. And I might say something like, well, how was your weekend? Or you got any plans this weekend? Uh, or maybe you have a hobby and you want to see if they have an interesting hobby. It's like, hey, I make pins. You ever, you ever see anybody make pins? Uh, things like that. Um, we're not calling it bribery. It's not quid pro quo. <laughs> it's, for example, um, I had people that made stuff, uh, and I was very interested in how they made stuff. Uh, and, for example, I had, as an inspector, I had a guy that, that actually made um, this, um, I can't, I'm not sure what it was. It was like a, a, a mini ruler thing. I, I can't remember what it was because so many years ago. And he, was, he sold them, and, and I bought one. Just because he was talking about it. He didn't give it to me. It wasn't no bribe. Um, I bought one because it was totally cool. And it, I would have known that about the, the the guy unless we had that conversation. Or he asked me uh, when I was there telling him how to fix something. So again, not every electrical inspector is the same. Uh, there are some out there that are hardcore. There are some out there that are just easy to get along with. There's some out there that want to learn. Uh, but remember, we don't have to be so... Uh, fixated on our knowledge that we can't learn from other people. I used to say to everybody, you know, we'll have about 80% of the things that we want to learn by a certain point in our career, but there's always going to be that 20% that we still can learn. And that's always evolving. The moment that I learn something, so you never know 100% of everything, but there's somebody else that doesn't know everything that you know. And so when I listen to somebody, I take a little bit of their knowledge and put it in my repository. And then I realize that, I still so much more to learn. So when I go to webinars or seminars or I go to conferences and people there asking me code questions or they want to be involved with me, I'm always listening to what other people say because there's always something that I can learn from somebody else and that I can carry on to teach somebody else. That's the same thing that I take to electrical inspectors and plans examiners and uh, building officials and electricians, journeymen, masters, and helpers, there's always something that we can learn from somebody else. I might be an electrician and I don't know a whole lot about fire alarms, or I might not know a whole lot about fire penetrations that the building guys would know about. Having a conversation and asking those questions really will broaden your knowledge so that you can carry that on to the next journeyman or or the next helper or apprentice. That's the, that's the kind of thing we're trying to foster here. Um, again, there's some hardcore electricians who will say BS and just do their thing and that's fine. Uh, do what you want, but there's other ones that will actually embrace it and understand that we can do this together. We can do all this as a team. We can take a lot of pride in what we do, that the inspector's only doing their job. Yeah, you might get one to the chip on their shoulder, but you can break that ice by doing what they say unless it's going to cost you a fortune, then you might have to go over their head. You just might do, but you can do it tactfully. Otherwise, you can cite your disagreement with the code section, for example, but be ready to give information. And again, don't be afraid to say to the electrical inspector, can I? Can you tell me what code section you're re- rejecting me for? I'm, I'm not arguing it. I just want to learn why. And, and, and will you help me out by doing that? Be very humble about it. Again, let the ego hang at the door. Um, it's all a learning process. And I think you'll find that you can actually take an inspector who has a chip on your shoulder and turn them into the biggest ally you're going to get at that jurisdiction. So as you go down the road, believe it or not, you're going to get an ally in that inspector. It just takes time, okay? It happens. So hopefully you got something out of that podcast. Again, everybody needs to work together. 
all electrical inspectors don't know it all. All electricians don't know it all. We're all learning from each other. There's a way to be more tactful in how you approach them. Don't simply think the inspector's an a-hole because he comes and turns you down. If he doesn't give you a reason why he turns you down, then request that. Don't just, a lot of times people say stuff and they say, this sucker turned me down, uh, blah, blah, blah. And they go on the boards and things and start cussing them. And the reality is, did you even ask why he turned you down or why he rejected this? Because many jurisdictions aren't required to put the code reference on their tickets. Now, all of the jurisdictions that I worked in were required to put the reason why you were rejected on the ticket because you need to learn what to fix. If they don't put down why you were failed and what code section, then how could you fix it? So I encourage all electrical inspectors, all jurisdictions to approach that the same way. You cannot fail somebody unless you can put a code reference on your inspection ticket and be able to articulate the reason why you turn somebody down. Otherwise, be willing to learn because an electrician is ready to teach. The inspector is ready to teach. We have an awesome teaching moment every time those two come together on a job site. Should be a beautiful thing. Okay, folks, till next time, stay safe and God bless. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is enough.